Good morning and welcome to Sharper Iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God, His two-edged sword of law and gospel, recorded for you in Holy Scripture, all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. Sharper Iron is underwritten by the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. On this Friday, November 15th, we are studying Amos chapter 7, verses 10 through 17. Today's text is an interlude between Amos's third and fourth visions. The priest of Bethel, a man by the name of Amaziah, confronts Amos, and he gives us a picture of the general reaction to Amos's preaching. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's Word today, we have with us regular guest, Pastor Dustin Beck. Pastor Beck serves at Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Ward, Texas. Pastor Beck, welcome back to Sharper Iron. Good morning, Pastor Apple. How are you? I am well. How are you? Fantastic. You sound very clear this morning, like we're in the same room or something. Yeah, I can even see your facial expressions whenever you make them. That's amazing. That's yes. amazing. Glad to have you here in Smithfield this morning to, <laughs> to talk about Amos chapter 7. And, and we didn't have a ton of chance to, to visit ahead of time about this because we were both helping get kids ready for school and such things that dads do. So, so Pastor Beck, we're looking at Amos 7, verses 10 through 17. Help us with some context this morning. How do you, how do you want to set this text up for us? Sure. So this is an interesting text because um, the vast majority of the book of Amos um, is all um, uh, pretty much poetry. Right. In the Hebrew, I mean, if you look at it in the English Bible, even uh, you can see how it's set aside. It's uh, it's set aside. It looks like the book of Psalms or, uh, or a lot of the other prophets. Uh, but here uh, kind of smack dab. Well, not quite in the middle, but smack dab in the middle of Amos. Do you have uh, what the commentaries refer to simply as a historical interlude, which sounds like probably the most boring thing imaginable. Uh, but this is uh, one of the rare sections uh, here where we actually have some narrative. We actually have some prose. It's no longer going to be poetry, but instead it's going to be um, a little bit of an account, a little bit of a story where there are actual things happening, actual conversations between more people than just um, Amos and uh, the people of God. Uh, but here we actually have um, this guy, Amaziah, priest of Bethel. Um, Amaziah uh, kind of comes onto the fore, uh, into the forefront very abruptly, uh, right after Amos has finished uh, his third vision. Uh, Amaziah just shows up and he starts talking. He starts saying, hey, you got to be quiet. You can't say this stuff, right? And then we're going to have Amos's response to that. Um, and then you guessed it, he's going to go right back into his prophecy. Um, like the, uh, the majority of Amos, uh, this is a uh, very much a preaching of the law um, against uh, against faithless Israel, um, and specifically here also against Amaziah. Um, that's kind of the the thrust of Amos. Uh, you get like I think four verses of gospel at the end, uh, and everything else is just here's all of the bad news, right? Of of course we can we can uh, find Jesus in the midst of this text and the fact that uh, that there is forgiveness for sins, etc. Um, but um, you know, we uh, at my previous congregation, we studied Amos at one point in Bible class, and I think it took us three or four months to get through the thing, much like it is here on Sharper Iron. But uh, as we went through it, I had people that were just looking at me after Bible class and they looked tired. They looked worn down from all of the the this, the plagues and the locusts and the earthquakes and everything that's so terrible. Uh, but Amos really isn't that bad of a guy. I think we we should probably give him the benefit of the doubt. He's preaching the word of the Lord after all. And as we're getting started, I did want to share with you um, uh, from Luther's commentary on this section. Luther begins uh, when he's talking about verses 10 and following. He says, in this passage, one can see what the, un what uh, one can see rather, uh, that ungodliness, exactly what it is. 
and what it thinks of the word of God, how it despises everything that God, of God uh, in order to keep its own things safe. I thought that was a pretty, uh, pretty helpful thing to start with, uh, just in terms of the context of, of what we're going to be talking about today, um, because I think that that happens in our lives, too, uh, where we will uh, do anything and everything to protect our way of doing things or the things that we value most. Uh, we try to justify ourselves, right? Um, and we do that um, at times at the expense of God's word, right? Shame on us. Yeah, yeah. That Martin Luther guy was a smart dude. Yeah, he wrote some things. He wrote, yeah. And they were they were usually good. I like that a lot. That ungodliness despises God's word to keep its own things safe. I, I, we're definitely going to see that in today's text, and and something that I think we should keep in the back of our minds, continue to reflect on as as we look at this text. Pastor Beck, you said it was a, a, a an interlude. So so just remind us what what are we interluding? I don't know if that's a verb or not, but what are we interluding with this text? Well, it's a series of several visions um, that are given as a warning against God's people. Um, essentially, always Amos is calling them to repentance, you know, like we would expect uh, the prophets to do. Uh, but he's speaking uh, predominantly in the northern kingdom. This is in the divided kingdom time. Um, and so he's uh, he, see, he keeps seeing these visions. Um, several of them uh, are things that he's actually able to uh, to stay God's hand, uh, to stay the execution kind of a deal, uh, where he cries out and pleads on their behalf that God would forgive them. Uh, but then starting with, uh, well, your guest yesterday uh, talked about this third vision of the plumb line, right? Um, and the fact that um, listen, this is going to come to pass, and there's nothing that, that Amos or anybody else can do to stand in the way of this destruction. These guys have they've chosen, they've, uh, what is it, how does the expression go? They've made their bed, right? Um, and they're, uh, to throw another expression, uh, their chickens are coming home to roost. I'm chuckling because I have chickens now in the backyard. Right. Yeah, of know. course not. Yeah. Right. But um, things are, 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 going, are in motion. Um, Amos has been prophesying this for some time, and he's going to get right back to it uh, beginning in Chapter 8. Uh, the ESV uh, subtitle there says, The Coming Day of Bitter Mourning. Right? Isn't that exciting? Yeah. We'll yeah. save that for... Say that for Monday, right? That's right. That's yeah. right. So, so we've got it comes in the middle of the third and fourth visions, which are right. which we'll see as we'll see on Monday are, are parallel to one another. And both of these visions, we we see that the the prophet Amos does not intercede anymore. The judgment is certain at this point. And so, this interlude here with Amaziah helps us to see why the Lord is reaching the judgment that He does. And as we'll see as the book moves forward in chapter eight and following things just go downhill from from this encounter. So this really is a, a pivotal encounter that Amos has here with the priest of Bethel, Amaziah. Any more introductory comments before we look at the text itself? I think let's jump in. We got right. seven long verses here. Very good. So we're in Amos chapter 7, verses 10 through 17. Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent to Jeroboam, king of Israel, saying, Amos has conspired against you in the midst of the house of Israel. The land is not able to bear all his words. For thus Amos has said, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel must go into exile away from his land. And Amaziah said to Amos, O seer, go, flee away to the land of Judah, and eat bread there, and prophesy there. But never again prophesy at Bethel, for it is the king's sanctuary, and it is a temple of the kingdom. Then Amos answered and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet, nor a prophet's son, but I was a herdsman and a dresser of sycamore figs. But the Lord took me from following the flock, and the Lord said to me, Go, prophesy to my people Israel. Now therefore hear the word of the Lord. You say, 
do not prophesy against Israel and do not preach against the house of Isaac. Therefore, thus says the Lord, your wife shall be a prostitute in the city and your sons and your daughters shall fall by the sword and your land shall be divided up with a measuring line. You yourself shall die in an unclean land and Israel shall surely go into exile away from its land. More fun words from the <laughs> prophet Amos there at the end. So the text starts by introducing, and, and as you said, out of nowhere, Pastor Beck, this Amaziah, who, who is he? Um, so he's identified here as a priest of Bethel. Right? And I found that to be pretty interesting because um, he's identified with a place. That's usually not a good thing, right? Um, he's he's not identified as a as a prophet of the Lord, uh, or a priest rather of the Lord, um, or a, a priest of uh, uh, you know of the order of Aaron, etc. Um, instead, he's identified by a place. Now, to um, to better understand this, I know that uh, many of our faithful listeners, um, you guys already know this, right? But just to give some backstory, and maybe uh, maybe we all need to to brush it off from time to time. The big issue uh, with there being a priest of Bethel, uh, the problem here is that the kingdom is divided, right? Um, you go back a couple hundred years, and um, you know you have Jeroboam the first, which I loved y'all's exchange yesterday about, um, you know, the sin of Jeroboam. Is that talking about Jeroboam the second, who is king while Amos is pro uh, prophet, or is that Jeroboam the original, right? The original guy whose sin uh, has infected all of the the northern kingdom of Israel ever since. Um, and I think obviously the well, maybe not obviously. I think the answer is both, right? Um, because the original sin of Jeroboam, whenever um, whenever the kingdom was divided, remember Rehoboam, Solomon's son, uh, came in and uh, he employed these these huge heavy taxes on the people. And so Jeroboam, one of the commanders of the army, said, "You know what? We're just going to take our ball and we're going to go home and, and we're going to we're going to start our own kingdom." Or basically, like you guys have separated yourself from the rest of the tribes of Israel. And so you have uh, now Judah in the south, uh, you have uh, Israel in the north. Uh, but the problem is, uh, is that where does Jerusalem uh, happen to be located? In the south, right? And so you've got Israel up in the north, um, and you've got um, Jeroboam there being crowned king of Israel, um, and each and every year, um, several times a year when it comes time to worship the Lord, right? What are you supposed to do? You're supposed to go to Jerusalem. You're supposed to go to the Temple of Solomon. You're supposed to offer your sacrifices there. Um, and that's almost like, I mean, that's that's like having to make amends. That's like having to go down. And um, not only is it um, you know like having to make amends, but it's also a financial thing because you would go and you'd stay in Jerusalem at the time. Um, there, it would be a big boon uh, for the Southern Kingdom during this time. And uh, so they uh, they basically said, well, you know what? We'll set up kind of our own temples. We'll set up our own version of this. Um, they called them high places. I believe you guys talked about that yesterday. Right. And uh, I'm sure before that as well. Um, but so they set up these high places where they said, listen, you can worship the Lord in this place. Um, and some other people kind of raised their hands and said, well, uh, could we worship this other God here? And they said, well, you know, I mean, we don't kind of in the in the 21st century American context kind of an idea. Well, we don't want to offend anybody. Why not? Right. And so you start getting this. um this pluralism of worship, you start getting people um, that are worshiping not only Yahweh, the true God, the God of Israel, uh, of Abraham, uh, Jacob, Isaac, etc. Uh, but you get people that say, you know, we're going to worship however we want to worship and we're going to marry whoever we want to marry. And we're not necessarily going to be concerned with uh, with keeping Israel pure. So Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, um, it turns out to be one of these guys that um, he's serving a place. He's not necessarily serving the Lord. I'm not going to say that he's not serving the Lord 
but I'm going to say he's not exclusively serving the Lord. I think that's a fair distinction to make. I think so too. And and you don't have a particular false god listed here in the no. text that Amaziah is is serving, but it does. I, I do think the text would point that his allegiances. Even if he is serving the Lord there, his allegiances are not first to the Lord. His allegiances are first to the king, right? to Jeroboam, this, this being Jeroboam II, the current king of sure. Israel. And so just to kind of to, to put this in, in a picture for us, right? Amos has been preaching up there in Israel, likely there in Bethel where Amaziah has been serving. He's very likely stood by this altar that, that Amaziah serves at and preached against it. And so Amaziah has heard this. And, and what does he do? He, he sends a message to the king saying, Hey, you, you need, you need to do something about this. So what does he, what, what does he say to, to Jeroboam, Jeroboam the second in this case? Well, he says that it's a conspiracy. He says that, um, that Amos is trying to overthrow the kingdom, right? Um, he says that Amos's proclamation is against him. It's against Jeroboam. And you notice um, if you look back in verse nine, um, which is before our text today, um, you know, the Lord says that I will rise against the house of Jeroboam with the sword. Right. The house of Jeroboam, which God actually does. Right. The children of Jeroboam um, are the are the ones that actually feel the, the brunt of the sword. Right. Uh, but then what is uh, what does Amaziah say that Amos has said? That was a confusing statement. Amaziah says, well, Amos is saying that Jeroboam shall die by the sword. Right. Um, but it's not quite exactly what he said. He said his house will die by the sword, right? Uh, working behind the scenes to get somebody to come and help that prophecy come to pass. So he's he's putting this thought, and he uh, I like the fact that um, well, I don't like the fact, but note the fact um, that it says that uh, Amaziah the priest of Bethel sent to Jeroboam. So he sent a messenger to Jeroboam. But then we're immediately in verse twelve. We're going to have Amaziah taken of his own accord. He's going to uh, by his own authority, he's going to start, you know, kicking uh, Amos out of the room. So he's not even waiting to hear back from Jeroboam, apparently, at least in my reading of the text. It sounds like he's sending word uh, just to let Jeroboam know, hey, things are getting rough over here. But then he's going to turn around and he's going to say, you know, you got to get out of here, man. You got to leave. You got to go away. And so I in my notes, I just kind of jotted this down because I thought it was a really interesting point is that you've got the prophet versus the priest and the king. Right. We talk about the threefold offices uh, of, of God's uh, the, the ruling uh, uh, and, and the serving uh, offices of God's people. Here you have prophet versus priest and king. Um, all three of them kind of rolled uh, rolled in the middle of this. Uh, but, yeah, it's a conspiracy. Um, uh, I would I would add probably uh, even of a political nature. That's the concern here, um, at least from Amaziah's perspective. And um, not to put the cart too far in front of the horse, uh, but we are going to get to the point where, um, you know, when he says never prophesy at Bethel. Right. So and I'm just I'm rolling different texts around in my mind when when I hear Amaziah, you know, talk about he goes and sends to the king. I mean, I can't help but but hear the religious leaders at the trial of Jesus say to Pontius Pilate, we have no king but Caesar. Right. Um, and, and, and thinking of Jesus, uh, along with the rest, I, 